Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, we talk about some new hardware coming out of Computex, including the EVGA GTX 980 Ti Classified and MSI X99A Godlike. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McKay. Darren, it seems like we've been talking about a lot of stuff that happened around Computex, and this time it's the, again, again. The, the 980 Ti, but in different skin. Well, the 980 Ti is definitely a force to be reckoned with, mm-hmm. and it's nice to see that it's still out there getting the press that it deserves, at least until AMD can respond with something. Yeah, better than the Fury X, of course. It's only a question of time, right? Yes. In today's hot news that we're going to be adding to the front of the podcast in this episode, we're going to bring up a special edition from EVGA called the 980 Ti Classified Kingpin Edition card. Ooh, now with Kingpin Edition, you expect greatness, right? Yes, of course. But you pay for the privilege, too. You do. They are limited edition. Uh, The first edition Kingpin cards, which were the 780 Ties, they sold out in like a couple of hours. Wow. And then it took them about a month to replenish the stocks, and they realized that people are really liking these cards. But I think they liked the idea of having a Kingpin Edition card over using it the way it should be used. Well, the good news is you can still get your hands on this GeForce GTX 980 Special Edition. It's even got an instant $90 rebate, so it might be something you want to jump on while you still can. But it sounds like they plan to give a much better showing this time around. Including... The 980 Ti Kingpin Edition, which we saw at Computex, or I saw at Computex, and now Vince is taking it out and showing its legs. So tell me, what can he do? Well, let's see. Uh, He posted a score a couple days before we recorded this podcast on HardwareBot. Of course. With a score of 13,405 marks. And that's a new world record, if I'm not mistaken. World record, global first place, whatever hardware bot wants to call them. But uh, Get some a trophy. Yeah, get some two trophies, actually. Nice. So it's leading the GTX 980 ranks, and it's also the fastest card in all of scores. Now, if you scroll down over here on the right, we see Kingpin with his 13,405 marks. The next competitor is at 12,000... 816 marks. Wow, and who's that? That's an extreme addict. Oh no, dethroned. Poor yeah. addict. But this is like almost a thousand points, a thousand marks difference. You know, give or take, it's like 600 or so. Well, yeah, but look at it, the scores too. Now second, third, fourth are really very close together. So that is a pretty telling gap. Mm-hmm. It's huge. What kind of system is he using there? Okay, well, uh, yeah, we'll go down the system here. So he's using the Tech 9 Fat Pot on the video card, so it's liquid nitrogen cooled, obviously. Nice. He's using the EVGA X99 Micro, which is their new Micro ATX X99 board. And he paired that up with a, a 5690X. Okay. As well, E. Using some G Skill Ripjaws memory, the 1500 watt Supernova from EVGA. And it looks like he's also super cooling the 5960 under LN2 using his F1 Dark Pot. Excellent. Yeah, so it's a lot of uh, Kingpin stuff on Kingpin card on EVGA hardware. So he's giving them a good showing. And why not? After all, he is in that shop these days. Yeah. Well, this is the first score over 13,000 in Firestrike Extreme, at least on Hardware Bot. Wow. He followed this up with the three runnings of Firestrike 
you know, because you can do the regular one, you can do the extreme, and then ultra, which is the 4K edition. Those ones get recorded at uh, the FutureMark Orb. And those are also first place scores, which is quite nice. So really rocking the trilogy, but I think that seeing it on HardwareBot is really where all the enthusiasts are going to go. And he set a pretty high bar. Mm-hmm. What makes that card so special? It's specially designed. This is the classified edition, and then they add the, the kingpin stuff on top of it. So the regular classified, which we'll talk about in a moment, only has two power sockets. On this particular card, he has two eight pins and one six pin. He has the customary voltage test points across the top there, a couple of fan leads down below. The heat spreader is designed for to cool the VRM and also have a section to be removed for the LN2 pot to be connected to. And that's chrome-plated, which is just kind of more for show. Well, you know, it helps it earn the money. That's a spendy card. Mm-hmm. Of course, it does come with the air cooling, which is the ACX 2.0. The heat sink had been copper-dipped, so it all looks like it's a big, super copper piece of Very stuff. nice. Yeah, with a couple of lights to for show. And I believe it comes with a shirt. Which, um, <laughs> yes, I which, saw that. Yeah, which resonates with a couple of the comments here on the HardwareBot page. You know, Massman comes in and says, what the, you know, WTF? Kingpin replies, meow, which is okay. appropriate, I think. And then he says, king of the ring. Massman comes back with king of the ring, which is what is on the shirt. I think that's how EVGA has been branding this card. And it looks like they've been pretty accurate. I'd certainly like to get my hands on one. And I imagine it won't be too long before we see multi-card records falling, too. Obviously. You know, you got to bend these cards because the while the classified edition cards have a special bin, the kingpin edition ones are bend to kind of have a lower ASIC score. Those tend to respond well for voltage under LN2. So when you get them cold, they add more voltage. They go faster and scale better. Now, that leads me to talk about cold bugging is that something that has happening on these uh the tie cards at least i don't think so well that's good news i haven't put one under ln2 yet so i'm not sure if there's any limits or whatnot well we talked about putting even the 5960x under ln2 but uh with that benchmark is that primarily a graphics benchmark oh yeah firestick extreme is DirectX 11 for the most part the ultra and extreme is the resolution so so that is the resolution uses more memory on the card where memory overclocking becomes more important to be able to get those bits in and out. Oh, so clearly what we're talking about is just supporting the power of that Kingpin edition card then. Yeah, you got to get the bandwidth in there. There's a couple of tests at the very end. One of them is the physics test. Those are in all of the uh, FutureMark benchmarks. That's where the eight cores out of the 5960X is going to shine. And the more you can overclock it, the faster that section is going to be. And it'll right. just add to your score. You know, you could have a card overclocked to 2,000 megahertz, a video card that is, and not overclock the subsystem or the CPU, and you'll get a really good graphics score, but a really bad physics score. And that would bring down your overall score, it sounds like. Yep. And then the very last test is the, the fire guy and the ice guy doing a sword fight, and that's the combined test where it pulls in some of the DirectX 11 graphics and the CPU power. So you need every little bit to get that gap over second place there. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about the card. Now, this particular card, does it have a, a breakout portion, like a, uh, the, uh, the overclocking boxes? What is that thing called? <laughs> uh, yeah, the overclocking boxes. Nice. On the picture that Vince had posted with his 
record-breaking score, the EV Bot Port. That's it, the EV Bot. Yeah, that is below the power sockets. Now, on the regular classified, it's up where one of these eight-pin sockets is. Up off the top. Up off the top. So the EV Bot is off the back, and if you are fortunate enough to have an EV Bot, you flash the new firmware on there, and you can control voltages and stuff like that. Come to find out, they posted a how-to hacking log on uh, running... EVBot features through a Raspberry Pi. Ooh. That's something I, I really want to try out, I think. Yeah, well, Raspberry Pis are cheap, and EVBots are kind of getting scarce out there. I'm honestly shocked that they haven't built a newer one since they continue to put it on their cards. They they did, but they included it with their gaming keyboard. Oh, really? How yeah. did I miss that? Well, that was in my news, but I don't think I actually posted anything on the keyboard. But uh, yeah, the keyboard's kind of cool. It has a an LED display on it, much like the old Logitechs, oh, where you can I see, those. see your bullet count and everything. Mm-hmm. So they added the EVBot features to that keyboard so you can see on the screen all the different voltages and change the cards and stuff like that. All right, my puzzled expression that you guys can't see at home is, how does it hook to the video card? Oh, there's some ports off the back to plug into the EVBot ports. Oh, so you're running an extra cable interesting that might be worth tracking one of those down just to play with i've always been a fan of screens on the keyboards although they're definitely underutilized yeah well the evbot one is programmable you should be able to pull down like uh the same thing that the logitech ones with you know your bullet count and oh, yeah. direction and stuff like that since they can run the evbot stuff through it obviously you should be able to program it to the point where you can have like news tickers and stuff like that. I'd finally have an excuse to get rid of my old G15, I guess. Well, that's nice. So looking at the card here, there's still the EVGA's top dog here. I can't believe it's still available. I want to talk a little bit about what it would look like if I were running it without the big fancy pot. Now, is this a, this is a double DIN card, it looks like. Yeah, it's two, uh, two slots. And it uses EVGA's fancy cooler there yeah acx 2.0 the acx 2.0 which we talked about last podcast when we were looking at the evga 980 tie super clock you know this is a reference design card the acx 2.0 and i'm showing this to darren right now because right. he probably doesn't remember the uh, the fan blades are somewhat reversed but they spin this direction and they look like they push the air through instead oh, okay. of um, cupping it through well, that's the way they used to in the old days because they wanted to push all the air out the back of the PC instead of just into the case. So what's what's the change of thought on that? Is this a, just a reversal of, of philosophy? or They found that the fans didn't make as much noise and moved more air. Yeah, And the new BIOS programming allows the fans to turn off if they're below a certain temperature. Nice. The card itself will get up to like 50C before the fans kick on, which is crazy hot, but... When the fans aren't moving, it makes no noise. Well, if the SC is big, how much bigger would the cooling system be on a Kingpin? Well, the Kingpin is the same as the regular classified, and I have one of those on the floor right by your feet there. Let me take a look here. Make a little noise here as I pick this puppy up. Okay, so I'm looking at it. You might have to take it out of the box, actually. Okay, let's do that. While I'm doing that, why don't you tell me a little bit about the differences here? Between the classified and the super clock? Yeah. Obviously, the classified has the larger or taller PCB to accommodate for the 14-phase VRM. And it comes with um, the associated VRM stuff as well. So there's more junk on there. 
The memory is in the, basically the same configuration, so the top of the card is pretty much blank. Man, I'm making a lot of noise, but I'm following you. Look well, at all the, this stuff. Holy cow. The wrestling's kind of fun, actually. <laughs> I have to put those down. All the components that come with the card. Oh, yeah, they don't they don't skimp. I like EVJ's always giving you a nice package. And we got posters. You got all kinds of fun stuff in these things. Yeah. So the, with the classified card, they're supposed to have a special bin to make the chips uh, higher quality. That enhances the overclockability of the of the chip and whatnot. This particular card had an ASIC of 71%, which is pretty poor. Although comparing it against the superclock card of the same chip, that one was a 69. So both of these chips are pretty bad on the scale. So let's talk about the scale a little bit because I don't know if that's something we spent a lot of time talking about. So when you're talking about the score, mm-hmm. I know that's broken down into several categories, but overall, what are we measuring? We're measuring the chip bin. So okay. they, they figured out what EVGA and, uh, well, not EVGA, but NVIDIA and AMD look at in the chip to determine the quality of the chip. Oh, okay. So the higher the percentage, the higher quality of the chip, and ideally it will use less voltage to attain higher frequencies. So I'm looking at this 980 classified now. Sorry about all that noise. And the Superclock edition, side by side, and I can honestly tell you that the difference in size is shocking. Yeah, the fan's bigger, the heatsink's bigger. You know, if you turn it on the end and you look at the, the I.O. connections, there's obviously a huge gap there. Yeah, it almost looks like a like a triple din. And the the whole card, heatsink, everything is about an inch taller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good inch. Now, if you look at the power socket, sockets at the top here, you'll see that the EV bought port mm-hmm. is right next to the power and the two four pins were yeah and it also oh, has pins, a sorry has a dual bias switch right next to it as well nice it comes with a back plate which is new all it seems like all of the 980 tie cards from evga are coming with the back plate now where that used to be in a, a additional feature yeah it's very nice and then the use of color especially the classified really stands out and i wish they had some lights on the top so, yeah, getting back to the ASIC discussion, you know, a couple of the classified cards I got in the Kepler era were in the 90, 98%. So these are super good chips, and they overclocked extremely well. With the Maxwell, which is the 980 TIE edition card here, the the standing rumor is they don't scale well with voltage under air cooling. They only scale with temperature. So having a 71 chip on the classified, which is obviously better than Superclock that I'm, you know, I'm pointing at right now, which everyone can see. <laughs> the, the chips are pretty poor, but they top out at around the same speed, which is around 1500 megahertz. That's really interesting to me that they would figure that out and not put the higher quality chips on there. Well, the high quality chips cost more, I think. Since you don't gain anything from that, mm-hmm. they can save a little bit of money and give you the same speed and whatnot out of this particular card. The the bonus here is that the Kingpin cards have a lower ASIC. Chances are it's not much lower than 70 or much lower than 60. Even if it's around 50, that's not as bad as, you know, you would think. So these cards should overclock really quite well under Island 2. So one question for you. You're, you're talking about these scores, but to give an idea of scale, what's, what's the top and bottom? Is it a 100-point scale? I believe it's a 100-point scale. It's a percentage. Okay. 
I know you've done a lot of work with this classified and you have a review coming and it will be posted probably by the time this podcast is live. I'm going to say the the review should be live before this podcast goes live. So just for the folks that follow the podcast closer than the reviews, can you give us just some highlights? How did Overclock? Uh, overclock quite well. Uh, the maximum that I could get and run through the benchmarking suite was around 1486 which is right across, right at that 1500 megahertz mark. I could get it to run 1500 in certain benchmarks, but it basically crashed, so I had to back down the clock. We've talked a lot about Firestrike Extreme, thanks to the Kingpin record. So how does it score in comparison? In comparison to the Kingpin <laughs> card? <laughs> he laughs. <laughs> you know, I would have to look that up, to be honest, or you'll have to check the review. Well, good excuse to come back and check that out. And see if it's worth stretching your legs a little bit to get yourself into a classified or maybe blowing the budget on a kingpin card. Mm -hmm. Check us out. It seems like we're still in the aftermath of Computex a little bit, especially with the video card segment. A little bit. But I don't want to quite leave it behind because as we talked about in the actual Computex segments, when I first was trying to get news about the show, there was just so little out there except for one thing that was all over the news, and that was... I'm going to assume the MSI X99A godlike. That's right, the godlike motherboard. And I'm excited because not only do we get to talk about that a little bit more, but it's because I'm holding one in my hot little hands right now. So we have a beautiful godlike motherboard, and I wanted to take a nice overview and talk about what makes this card so special and why it produced so much news. And hopefully we'll end up saying that it's not just because they called it godlike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for the astute listener who happens to go by HardwareAsylum.com, there is a full review of this particular motherboard done by yours truly, along with a video showing the lighting effects, which is something that we'll talk about. Oh, so cool. Yeah, I know. I did a pretty good job on that, huh? Yeah, and we don't post video very often, which gives you guys at home a good, maybe, incentive to go check out the review and watch the video, because if we're going to post a video, it's definitely worth checking out. Good sell. <laughs> Thanks. Good sell. I think I'm going to go do that. I've got this beautiful motherboard almost into the trunk of my car. It's kind of like that lightning that you kept trying to take oh the lightning godlike is like a one-up on the lightning like lightning uh come on anybody's got lightning but godlike how easy is it going to be to get one of these things to get the review sample not very much but i believe you should be able to buy these in retail at newegg and other online retailers so this is not like some of these white whale motherboards and video cards that we've talked about like the kingpin edition used to be for example I don't think so. They didn't give us that impression, at least. Well, that's good news, because it is nice to see a beautiful full-featured motherboard like this widely available. So let's walk through this a little bit, because on the surface, what I'm seeing is a lot of really pretty red anodized accents. Yeah, they're a little aluminum covers. These covers are um, an integral feature. So, for instance, the one here that I'm pointing at that you can't see is covering the I.O section. It's just a cover, a lot like what EVGA does on their high-end motherboards now. That extends into a cover that goes over the audio, which is a, it's a special edition audio that it's not based off the creative, and it, uh, it tests really well. 
but that is a shield. It's a, an EMI shield. So it's shielded on the top too, not just across the board then. Right. Yeah. It's the, got the, um, if you flip it over, there's a, the section where the uh, sound card is separated from the motherboards right. in there and stuff. Well, this is a, an EMI shield for the very top. Perfect. And I see that shielding extends down between the PCI slots too, well, at least the the core ones there. Yeah, I believe that was mostly just for looks because, you know, these don't connect to anything. And these being the, the small little fingers in between the slots, um, well, three, nice four, and five. Continuation. It cleans up the board and reminds me a little bit of the saber tooth design. Yeah, a little bit of it. Not not our favorite motherboard. Uh, well, and the saber tooth was, it's a big plastic shroud and whatnot, but it was supposed to, I don't know, control temperatures or something, which I don't, I didn't buy into right. the marketing on that one. We have a couple more covers over the uh, VRM for the the uh, CPU. We also have uh, an extension off of the MCP down below. Now, the one thing I mentioned in the review was that this heatsink, being the one over the VRM, connects with the heatsink that is right behind the I.O. connection. I see that a little heat point. Yeah, there's a little heat pipe there, but it doesn't connect to the MCP. Which is interesting. And the MCP connects to another one right here, which is a small heatsink right above PCI Express slot one. There's a little bit of extra space in the back too, I see, between the, the slots under the the back. I'm sort of surprised that we haven't seen a return of the fans that we used to see exiting out the back. Was it that? I think DFI did that last time I saw one. Yeah, DFI did one. There was also Chaintech did one. And it was like these little dinky fans, but they don't move a lot of air and they kind of whine and make a lot of noise. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. If you have enough heat sink, you don't really need a fan because the case takes care of that. Buy a good case. That's what you should get from that. Speaking of the IO connection, we can pull, if you pull the motherboard out of the okay, tray there. Let me do that. This is uh, some good stuff here. So you look at the IO. Mm-hmm. We'll just put it on in so I can point at stuff for Darren here. Okay, I see. So we have um, two Ethernet connections, and then right next to it, it's this wireless module with these two ends on it. That is part of a Killer Networks um, suite. Now, this is the newer Killer Nick, right? It's, uh, what is it, 3000? I've got to take a peek here. It's 22 something, something, something. I, the numbers don't really matter unless you're going to buy one. Killer Double Shot X3 Pro is right. the big fancy name for that thing. Yeah, so the way that these work is they're all interconnected. Say, for instance, you are streaming Borderlands 2 to Twitch. So you have Twitch open so you can see what your stream looks like. And then you also are broadcasting Twitch, and then you're also playing the game. So the Killer Network's uh, software suite will broadcast Twitch over one network connection, will hook the game up over another network connection, and then you can watch Twitch over the Wi-Fi. Holy cow. And that basically separates all of the network I.O. So that's not shotgunning them like in the old days where it's trying to combine the bandwidth? No, it's completely separating them to decrease latency. Well, that's kind of clever. And one of the few great reasons to look into a nice Killer Nick style card. Very nice. Now, what is this monster here? That's a what 3.4 millimeter or whatever headphone jack. Yeah, nice pro audio output. Yeah, that hooks into the fancy onboard sound card. And I see now the walls on the on the bottom there. Yeah, we have uh, digital and all gold-plated analog connections for the audio there. Very nice. USB 3.0 is across there. We also have 3.1 and then a reversible Type-C connection right there. 
Interesting. Now it's nice to see 3.1 finally making its appearance in motherboards, although this isn't the first that we've seen. Uh, it certainly makes sense in a high-end motherboard. Well, that's, um, this is a refresh board, too, because X99 came out last year. The Extreme Edition Intel processors are on a, a two-year cycle, whereas the LJ11 5X are on um, a one-year cycle. Oh, okay. Good to know. So also standard keyboard, and I believe there's a... Some kind of little light or something there. Yeah, that's the CMOS reset. Oh, excellent. Now, why would they bring back the traditional keyboard plug? That's a little bit odd. Believe it or not, it never went away. Although EVGA doesn't put that port on their motherboards anymore. Uh, let's see, Gigabyte, MSI, Asus, they all use that um, PS2 port still mm-hmm. on their headers. That speaks mostly to their market. So while a lot of the keyboards that we can buy are USB, they come with the adapter. I, you know, I have a Microsoft Natural Elite, which I really like. You know, it's the split keyboard. It comes with an adapter for USB to the PS2. And you need the PS2 for certain instances. Well, these motherboards are sold in China and the Middle East and whatnot. They don't necessarily get the latest and greatest peripherals all the time. So having that PS2 port on the motherboard helps them sell. Oh, that makes sense. Although I'm a little surprised that that hasn't gone the way of the Dodo. Yeah, you would think. I'm looking at the uh, the drive ports on the inside, and there's a nice big section of them. Is it? Am I seeing three different controllers? Uh, two, I believe. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of SATA ports on there, and they're all SATA 6. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the PCI Express slots yet. I was getting to that, but... I was drawn by this little switch that says slow. Ah, yes, the slow mode or slow boot mode. When you're doing the edge style overclocking 2D style where you're trying to get the frequency as high as possible, you can boot into frequency and then you can use software to increase that frequency, but it may not be stable for more than just a couple of seconds. Oh, okay. So that slow mode allows you to boot at the slowest possible speed so that okay. it's stable into the operating system. You switch it back. You can take your screenshot for your overclocking record and then turn it back so that you can save the file. I see also an OC switch next to the OC Genie button. An OC switch? Yeah, right there. Is that OC BIOS and regular BIOS, maybe? It has to do with the, the Genie mode. Ah, okay. So... When you press the OC Genie button, there is a, a default overclock that gets applied. The and infamous then, 4.0 button. Something like that. <laughs> something like that. And then if you flip the switch, it goes into a more aggressive mode. Very interesting. Okay, so let's talk about this PCI Express cards, because for those of you that are just listening, you've got a block of three, and then a pretty good size space before you get to the fourth, and that's all there is, just the fourth. Oh, well, no, that's not true. There's one up at the top, too, that would be your primary PCI slot for your graphics card. There's basically five slots on here. It supports four-way SLI. Uh, These two slots, slots um, three and four on our uh, PCI Express map, those kind of have shared bandwidth. So if you populate one, the other one disables. If you populate the second one, the top one disables. Interesting. That has to do with uh, the 40-lane versus 28-lane processors as well. Oh, yeah. And the way that they get hooked into it. Strangely enough, slot number 5 down here, which I'm pointing at, is the only one that retains 16 lanes of PCI Express bandwidth when you populate the different slots. Well, I'm noticing also, and 
maybe this has been a trend I just haven't paid attention to, but where are those little tiny slots that they were going to put all the different sound cards and stuff in? None. None. They're all gone. The uh, area down here at the bottom between 5 and 7 is occupied by the M.2 mm-hmm. SATA connection, which takes PCI Express bandwidth from the CPU instead of just the MCP, which I'm a little surprised oh, about. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so if you're running at a 20-lane processor, I believe the M.2 only gets two lanes of PCI Express. But if you're running a 40-lane, this one gets four lanes of PCI Express. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah, so just more bandwidth, faster speed, stuff like that. Well, but that makes a lot of sense, especially if you're planning on using that as a primary boot device. The uh, the slots themselves are encased in this metal shroud. And if you flip it over, that shroud is soldered to the PCB. Fancy, but does it serve a purpose? According to MSI, when I talked to him during Computex, that was to reinforce the PCI Express slots. I've seen a couple of pictures where a motherboard had gotten damaged in shipping, and it basically was a fully assembled computer, so it had a heavy video card on there. Gets slammed down, that video card falls out of the case, and it splits the PCI Express slot long ways. So there's, you know, there's a little bit of plastic on each side of it. That snaps, and then it pulls the, the slot apart. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. Also, when you are overclocking on liquid nitrogen, if you pull the video card out before you let it defrost, the card is usually frozen to the PCI Express slot, and you'll end up pulling the plastic piece away from the motherboard. Because it's only a friction connection at the pins. The pins are the only thing soldered to the motherboard. Well, excellent. Now, I know you've done a full review on this, so a couple of quick questions for you. Sure. And one is, is it as good as the name? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. How yes. did it do? It did quite well. Some of the best overclocking numbers I've seen. Very easy to overclock. I was able to do uncore overclocking with it, which is something you're not supposed to be able to do unless you have an OC socket. I was able to do that within reason. It was only like 200 megahertz, which really does a lot for your memory bandwidth. I was doing a memory review using G-Skill 3000 megahertz memory. It's able to overclock it and get um, a Sonder score with 60 gigabits a second of memory bandwidth out of that using uncore overclocking and just increasing the memory frequency. Well, that's a very nice boost there without a lot of overhead. No, no, not at all. So have you had a chance to put this thing on the extreme overclocking yet? Pair it with the classified maybe? No, not yet. Uh, although the nice segment there, uh, the CPU socket doesn't use the traditional uh, Intel approved one where the the mounting posts are on top of the PCB. Oh, I didn't notice, but you're right. Yeah, this one passes from the back of the motherboard. So there's a nice plate on the back of the, of the PCB under the socket to fully reinforce the PCB around the CPU pins. Sure enough. You can get away with using a higher pressure heatsink on there or like a CPU pot and not have the socket distort on you. Very cool. Well, I said two things. The second is... Would you recommend it? Is it that much better than a regular X99A? If I was to compare it against a a motherboard that I had already reviewed, it would be the X99A Gaming 7. And in terms of performance and features, the 7 doesn't come with, obviously, it doesn't come with the killer Nick stuff. It doesn't have a Wi-Fi module. In terms of performance, they're very close. They're on par. The Godlike comes with a larger VRM, so there's more 
more power faces. It comes with the fancy um, Killer Nick suite, so you get the three network connections. The Godlike ISO comes with the lighted LED effect. Oh, which we haven't talked enough about, believe me. And also the audio, right? And also the audio. The audio is insanely good. I mean, it's um, it tests very, very well. Wow, those are definitely some things that I would look into if I were getting a board today. It's hard to say that I've seen a motherboard this sexy in quite a while, especially if you're into red and black, because it is maybe the best-looking motherboard I've seen in a generation. So going back to the lighting effects, uh, if you watch the video in the review at HardwareAsylum.com, it will go through the different modes. There's one called flashing, which I I really like. It (laughs) removes the white from the LED lighting pool, and then you can change all the LEDs to like red or green or purple or blue. And then it will randomly flash one of them white. So it looks like it's got little flashes all over. It's really kind of cool. Very cool. Check that out on the website. And MSI's X99A Godlike. Not just the name. The performance backs it up, it sounds like. So check that review out. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an Engineering Production, copyright 2015. Thanks for listening. Are you sure?